Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And before we begin, a very special hello to all of our new friends over in Adelaide. Yes, that's right. Uh, The recent trip I took to Adelaide went really well, uh, and we got quite a few new subscribers to the show. It turns out when you publicise the show people find it. That's the thing I've learned this year. Uh, But yes, all of our wonderful new friends from the Adelaide Fringe, welcome to the programme. We hope that you'll stick around and have a bit of fun. And the fun we're having today is Oscars related because it's Oscars week! (laughs) That's right, yes, the 95th Oscars, the Academy Awards, they are they're coming fast and as always, uh, as is tradition on this programme, we are watching the previous year's Best Picture Winning Film, which means we're watching CODA, C-O-D-A, CODA. And joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Anna Cox. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Anna. How are you? Very good, thank you. Excellent. Uh, For the folks at home who maybe haven't heard an, an episode with Anna Cox on it before, who are you, Anna, and what do you do? Oh, um, I am a props and scenery fabricator here in Perth. Excellent. And so I build stuff and I have a interest in movies in that like backstage angle to a certain extent, mm. but mostly just film in general. And if, if I may ask, if it's not going to reveal too many secrets mm. of the trade, what's what's been the most interesting thing you've had to build so far this year? Oh, this year? Um, I... I had to work on the set of a bank vault oh and um it's a bit more sort of technical than like um i guess uh, design wise but i had to make a lot of fake money and make quite a small amount of fake money look like a very large amount of fake money right with a lot of angles and secret paper and bits and bobs and that was a lot of fun did you get to decide who was on the fake money like was it no actually um, modern printers will not allow you to scan or print any kind of money. There's special dots on all notes that exist. And if mm. you put it in, the printer will shut down oh. and tell you you're doing something illegal. Wow. So you have to sort of work around that quite carefully yeah. um, and use pre-existing money. But yeah, that was a very fun prop I made this year. So. I, I didn't know my printer was a narc. I'm, I'm devastated. Some of them don't even tell you. They just won't do it. And you're like, okay. oh, my printer's broken forever. But no. They won't let you do crime. It's probably for the best um. <laughs> that they won't let us do that. Uh, Coda. Um, yeah. What, what, you haven't seen it, so what, mm. what, what do you know about this film? Um, I feel like Coda only came up on my radar maybe the end of last year even, I think quite late, and I had seen, I think, some gift sets on Tumblr, of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought the concept was really interesting. I have people in my life who are hard of hearing, um, and I also did uh, sign language classes for a period of time, and so mm. as soon as I saw stuff being signed on the screen for a movie that I knew had been nominated for an Oscar and like had been buzz around it and stuff um yeah i had an interest in it and meant to watch it it was one of those ones mm. for a really long time so i'm quite excited yeah i do find with the best picture winners there's always a oh i should I'll watch that yeah that, Let, won't I? I should watch yeah. parasite mm. <laughs> like that kind of thing uh, well luckily um we do have someone here who has seen coda uh, welcome back to the program robert woods hello uh, robert how are you doing Oh, about a seven. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, for for the folks at home who maybe haven't heard you, because it's been a couple of months since we've uh, had you in our in our chambers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who are you? Was uh, Cannibal Holocaust? It, it was. <laughs> and I've been trying to forget that <laughs> ever since. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but for those at home, uh, who are you, Robert Woods, and what do you do? I am uh, I'm a, a filmmaker, mm. and uh, and I I make 
mainly TV commercials and stuff here in Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, but occasionally some other things. Sometimes I write music. Sometimes I mm. edit. Sometimes I do VFX. Mm. You, you occasionally make films that we review on this program as occasionally well. Occasionally I make a, a feature film that, that gets reviewed on this program. Yeah. Yes, and does very well in the, the horror scene. An Ideal Host, I think episode 175, for anyone going back. <laughs> it's it's good. Go watch it. It's on, um, is it Tubi it's on? Yep. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Go it's watch it. Just, just another plug, because what a film. <laughs> uh, and what a film we're watching today in Coda. Yes. I saw, saw this film. It was the um, opening night film of the Melbourne International Film Festival from 2021? Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was one of their virtual festivals. It was meant to be in person, but oh, due to lockdown, it got shut down again. Mm. So this became the virtual mm. premiere um, film. And in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what is Coda about? Coda is about... A child of deaf adults, adults. yes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's like a, a a beautiful coming of age story of her and her love of music and her inability to communicate that with her family. That is very vague and very non-spoilery. And of course, uh, we are uh, going to be talking about the upcoming, uh, rapidly upcoming uh, Academy Awards and the list of nominees. So I will be asking you both for your tip for Best Picture winner. Mm. Um, and I don't think any of us officially got it last year. No. Uh, you, you did hint that Coda would be... I, I said Coda yeah. would be the upset. Yeah. Which isn't the same as picking it. Which is not the same <laughs> as picking it. I, I, I definitely, I, I picked uh, Power of the Dog, but... Um, but Apple became the first streaming service to win Best Picture, much to Netflix's chagrin. Oh yes. boy. I know. Must be, I do feel, it's weird to feel sorry for Netflix, but it must yeah. be slightly galling. It's like, they you spent so much yeah, money. We basically like made this a thing and then Apple comes along and goes, oh, we'll make this heartwarming film and everyone yeah. loves it. Well, they, they had like, they had The Irishman and and Roma and mm. and Power of the Dog yeah and and then Coda, which was like nominated for like two other things, it was this like tiny little indie film and it won Best Picture for some reason and it's like it's great. <laughs> well, with all that being said, shall we watch Coda? Nah. Oh, I would like to see it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I would all like right, to all see right. it. Well, I think like... after all this time, it, it will be yeah. worthwhile. We're not going to put it off. Okay, excellent. Well, for those of you listening at home, <laughs> don't pop in your DVDs because it's not available there, but load up specifically Apple Plus and prepare to find out why God made farts smell as we watch Coda. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Coda. And by we, I, of course, mean my special guests, Robert Woods. Hello. And Anna Cox. It's me. And Anna, uh, something that we neglected to mention (laughs) at the start of this program is you did drag your husband along. Uh, So also welcome to the program, uh, everyone's favourite, David Cox. It's me. Surprise guest. (laughs) What? Double the Cox. Two Cox on one podcast. (laughs) I'm a lucky boy. Uh, But yes. Um... Yes, uh, so David, uh, you also had not seen um, Coda. 
Uh, that is correct. I had not seen it until now. Mm. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come to you occasionally. Uh, you know, That's go, fine. what do you think? Uh, but we will start with Anna as the official. The primary uh, The Cox. primary. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. The main Cox. Uh, Anna. Cox Prime. Uh, I'm so glad you two got married just, just for all these jokes. Uh, but, and also, you know, celebrating your love. Anna. That's that too. Yeah. Uh, this was your first time watching Coda. What did you think? Um, I had a fantastic time. Mm. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I had such strong, like, throwbacks to some movies I really enjoyed as a teenager myself. I Mm. feel like the coming of age and going to a musical academy of some sort was a film that really existed for me as a teenager that I just haven't seen since. And obviously this is on, like, a completely different level as far as the quality (laughs) Mm. and, like, the spirit of it and the, I think, like, the realness of the families portrayed. But, like, Mm. um, have either of you, has anyone here seen... Hilary Duff's Raise Your Voice? No. If anyone has, it would have been Robert. Unbelievable. And still, no, well, (laughs) still a good film. (laughs) Well. But mm. not, um, yeah, not quite maybe as highbrow as this. No. But that and Camp Rock and a number of other Mm. um, movies like that. And I haven't seen, I don't think, done with so much heart. And um, I guess, yeah, uh, a different angle on the, there's always something there that's like the reason they can't go to, you know, the Academy. Yeah, Robert, I do have to say, because this is my first time watching it as well, I I do feel like this is quite a formulaic film, yeah. but mm, this is a good formula. Like, it, it, there's a reason it's become oh, yeah. formulaic, because it works. I, I, yeah. was, I was swept up in it. That's, it's it's that interesting thing I think we were talking about with, uh, we talked about it with Green Book, we talked about it with Nomadland, <laughs> and um, I, I, I think definitely for this film, this this feels like it's so well made it is like when you hear the premise you can kind of probably guess a lot of the beats of the film mm. um but it is uh an entirely family friendly pretty much film um it is it's uh just a real crowd pleaser mm. and also it's one that when it won the Best Picture Oscar, it was one of those ones that I got really nervous for it because it's now got that reputation of mm. it won the Best Picture. Yeah. yeah. And and up. that I think that'll that can only harm a film like this <laughs> because yeah. it's so sweet and uh and sincere and and then people will watch it probably expecting a whole lot more from it when it's just a very straightforward, very simple, but mm. really well-made slice of life. Yeah, it, it is interesting because we are obviously watching this in the context of it being the previous year's Best yeah. Picture winner and thinking about the films that it, it beat out to that award as well. Yeah. It's, 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 I think we should probably discuss like the film's own merits to begin with, but, but I do think it is mm. important to, to reflect on that because I was sat here going, I really don't know what to expect because mm. Green Book has taught me that best picture winners don't have to be good films. Like that, yeah. that yeah, that's, yeah. But, but the last couple of years, I feel like Parasite in particular was, oh. was very, very good. Yeah. Um, when we did The Shape of Water, that was, that was really enjoyable. Nomadland wasn't traditionally enjoyable, but was a remarkable bit of filmmaking. Like mm. you, and so and with Coda, I'm watching this and I'm, I, I'm not sure what it is that I'm meant to be blown away by because most of the things are things that I've seen before, mm. with the exception, I think, of the portrayal of of deaf people in a manner where they're 
um, deafness isn't what defines them, but it affects the story. Yeah. And I really... I really enjoyed this film. Like, I, I, like mm. it, it's a well-told. It's in, it's really well acted. That that I think is the outstanding thing yeah. about this film. The, the acting from uh, there isn't anybody weak in this film. There's nobody where I'm like, ooh. And I think that's really important mm. for for you getting wrapped up in this story and believing everybody. Like I believed Ruby's frustration at her parents, um, but I also like totally got. Jackie and and Frank as people as this sort of mm. like older couple they, they, the performances were just great I do love the parents uh, <laughs> the their performance but also just their characters mm. and their their relationship with each other and with the the rest of their family and mm. um just the the way they capture the the kind of everyday life of this family mm. um, that just, it feels so authentic Yeah, that even though I'm not a part of that world, it's so relatable. Yeah. Mm. Um, Anna, as the first time viewer, was there, was there a particular performance in this that, that stood out to you? Um, I think her dad, especially mm. I, yeah, he definitely had me tearing up. I think that relationship was done incredibly well. I mm. think father daughter relationships, Hollywood has a bit of an issue with, Sometimes. Portraying them yeah. properly, they they're so uncomfortable with the idea of like sincere non-sexual relationships that see the other person as a real person mm. and like um, yeah. So I I found that really moving and his mm. performance pretty incredible as well as um, yeah the whole family, but Leo her brother as well. I think yeah that, that again like the brother sister dynamic is often really not done well. It's a lot of hey bro, hey sis, I'm good over here. Chucklehead, blah blah, and they were actually genuinely felt like they had that history yeah. and connection because, as siblings. Because the thing is, is they did the thing of calling each other like hilarious made up swear words, which is something that siblings do sometimes. But it didn't feel tacked on. It didn't feel mm. like it, it didn't feel like oh, I've seen my kids do this. Said the screenwriter, I'm just going to add this in. No, it, it felt very organic mm. it, the way that they they did it even though it's not <laughs> these aren't real brother and sister <laughs> but it felt like they were real siblings and i just thought the film did an incredible job of that and i was sort of expecting um troy Kotz's character to be good because i knew coming into this that he won the academy award for best supporting actor for this role and i think he deserves it based just <laughs> off that performance he's he is really really good and he is it's interesting because i feel like you could pick a couple of characters as the emotional heart of this film. I think you could pick him and you could pick our protagonist, um, Ruby, played by Amelia Jones. I feel like they do a good job of sharing that sort of emotional heart of the film. And that that, that scene in the pickup truck at the end where, where he asks for her to sing for him and he feels it, I was like, yeah, this is working. I'm really, I'm, I'm really feeling this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is pretty sensational. Um, the, the story is that classic story from the Hilary Duff uh, Raise Your Voice movie. Um, we've got a talented singer, but, oh no, there are things in the way of her going to Berkeley, which is where the only place talented singers can go. Uh, but the point is, is she has she has a dream that she hasn't been fulfilling because she has constantly been in the role of being the interpreter for her family because oh. her brother is deaf, her father and mother are both deaf, and she is the only one who can hear. I get. I, I believe the grandmother must have been hearing based on... Mm. We, we yeah. never see her, but it's implied that they need or prefer to have um, 
Ruby there to trans to do the translation. So, but in, in the immediate family unit, Ruby is the only one that can hear, and she has spent her whole life to that point interpreting for them, but also protecting them. She's very protective of her family, um, and then she realizes, oh, I, I've got this singing talent, and I want to pursue that. And it's a it, it's it's a very classic story of somebody wanting to leave the nest somebody in the family who's coming into their own they're coming of age you almost might say and um pursuing what they want but all the problems that that entails what i love about the complication for her goal in this instance is that um <laughs> just the obvious contrast between loving music and having a deaf family mm. Uh, means that it's something that they can never know and they can never partake in. So mm. it's, and as she says, she's never done anything without her family, mm. but this is something that she loves. So it's like, it, it's not only something she wants to do, but it's going to force her to split up from her family, mm. um, which is a big step. So like, that's, that's a wonderful arc for a, a protagonist to go on. Yeah. And I really love, her family's sort of journey in trying to understand music because mm. because we, we know that frank sort of likes rap with deep bass which makes a lot of sense um where he's like yeah I just like the vibrations i like how it feels on my butt you know that yeah. kind of thing like he's he's but, but like he's getting genuine enjoyment out of it mm. but jackie has disregarded music and I, I i think jackie's such an interesting character because she's very she's got a lot of bitterness about how the world treats her but the film doesn't openly yeah. state it it doesn't it's like oh that's my mum she hates people who can hear it's it's implied through everything through her difficult relationship with with the grandmother which is only like touched on briefly in scenes but yeah. it's just layered in at the right time the fact that when they start the own, their own fishing company and you've got all the women who can hear who are gossiping and she's not able to be included with them because they don't sign yeah. and you can just see that resentment that she has. Either. and, and yeah. i love i love that when when the, uh, she confesses to her mum that she's joined the choir mm. her immediate response is oh you're just being a teenager and you want to get back at me because yeah. you know i i, I can't hear like yeah. and and she's like it's not about you it's yeah. something i like I'm not doing this to get back at you. I'm like, I, this is not the same relationship yeah. as her and her mother, yeah. which is what you figure out later on. And it's and it's so interesting because normally, I, I think in films where there is a, an issue between a mother and a child that's trying to get their independence, the mother is usually not not the villain, but is depicted as being like a, a major obstacle. Yeah. But the part of the reason why I think that traditionally happens is we don't ever really get context for why the mother hates yeah. this beyond, you know, yeah. usual things of like, it's not safe or I worked in the social norm and that worked for me because <laughs> I was the cheerleader in high school. And it, like, uh, clearly, you know, we know that, that Jackie was like a model who won a competition yeah. uh, because Frank's very proud of that. And my goodness, Frank loves his wife. That's, <laughs> that's something that became very clear throughout this film. And I was, I was there for it. But, but the fact is, is that, you know, she has risen above, her her deafness in her perspective from her perspective you know she was the the most beautiful girl of her age uh, you know because she beat out all the normies as she calls them and then for her to have a daughter who is quote-unquote normal 
And the fact that she admits that she was devastated by that, but then explaining because she was worried about the connection that may not be there mm. was just really beautifully told. I think one of the things that struck me most watching this, and I think, yeah, also comparing it to, like, the, the formulas we're talking about, like, the, the raise your voices, the camp rocks and stuff, mm. um, is, yeah, as you said, like, the, the parents can come off as sort of disconnected and villainous and not understanding in a way, and maybe you get a smidgen of backstory, like, you know, mm. I had a dream once and it all ended in disaster and that's mm. how it's always going to end and things like that. Mm. Um, but having that sort of, like, two-handed lead almost with, like, the family unit and mm. Ruby... And also just like the very direct parallel, which I'm sure um, in a places like multicultural as America and Australia, or even the, um, you know, coda child of a deaf adult. Um, many, many people like I saw when this was chosen um, and one on Twitter were talking about their experiences as children of first generation immigrants mm. who go through an incredibly similar thing mm. where they translate for their parents all the time. They are. A cultural like sort of yeah. vessel for their parents to interact with the world and it's in a lot of responsibility from a very young age yeah. and so i can see like um yeah having that sort of human <laughs> side to the people who will on some level never quite understand why you want to be part of this other world that they're not mm. completely accepted by that yeah maybe like the mother they've sort of started to reject themselves as a defense to being hurt by it because they've already been hurt so mm. you know yeah you sort of see both sides of that and i think uh taking it away you, from that are, sort of... are you saying that we see both sides now is i that, think is just the... like Joni mitchell's yeah. beautiful song they really, they really they had a brainwave yeah. when they were writing this down they're like oh my god um david it's perfect david um obviously uh you, you joined us for this and it's um oh hang on a sec, i'll move the mic there we go um what i wanted to know though was um was obviously there's an inspirational teacher that comes into this film. Oh, what a oh man. Yes. Uh, Bernardo uh, Villalobos, or Nether Mr. V to his face. <laughs> um, but yes. Just like me. Just like you. No one calls you Mr. No v. No one calls me Mr. V to my face. That's fair. Um, but yeah, uh, how, obviously we've seen a lot of inspirational teachers in films. Um, how, how was Bernardo for you? Also, Bernardo. I can't roll the R's. <laughs> Bernardo. I cannot do that either. Yeah. Uh, like... His opening scene is very off-putting because you're like, oh, <laughs> he, is, he is a bit uh, of a dick. <laughs> he is terrible. He's annoying, but he does grow on you. He does actually have at least um, mm. a level of like nuance and and heart to him mm. that is, um, you know, appreciable over time. Mm. Um, and I think it's a it's a pretty good uh, work from the actor to actually sort of balance that. Mm. Uh, as as what is intentionally a very off-putting character to begin with, mm. um, who was not an antagonist. No. Um, so props to him. Props to him. Well, it is yeah. probably the most bordering on cartoonish performance in the whole film. Yeah, but he's like, he's yeah. an arts teacher. And, I don't yeah. know. So, and so they're so all the, like that. So, I don't know. The, the twenty guys <laughs> all pretending to be Bill Burr in the fish factory were just like, "Hey, whoa, stick it up your ass!" <laughs> they were pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, I I also have I've I've taken notes for the first time ooh, ever. Wow! In, and you uh, weren't even the guest. This is amazing. Yeah, that's right. Oh. I am. Um, so My secretary, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Um, I I don't know if anyone else here is, but I am actually hard of hearing. I've been hard of hearing for about half my life. Mm. Um, and um, the only reason why I don't really know more sign language is because no one else I know really knows sign language. So there's mm. no point for me to really 
use it. Um, so I, I forgot all most of the sign language that I learned. Mm. Um, but I, I like expanding on, on what we've just talked about, like, like the dynamic of like the, the desire and want of, of the daughter and then the central conflict of the, and with the parents, like, you know, in other films, it's like, that's your dream dad. And like, you, you, they just have to sort of convince the, the parent of this, this talent or interest by sort of revealing like an element of it to them in a way that is like, Oh, I just did not realize. Cause you hid this away. Mm. Um, and you know, like, you know, they walk on stage and they start singing whatever. Um, but that cannot be like physically cannot be overcome. Mm. Um, and like that level of, um, just, it, it, it just, it's just a nice twist, uh, in the way that like the dad like comes to relate to it, like visually, mm. um, in, during the concert by like seeing how it impacts other people, um, mm. and not like being able to connect with it personally, um, in, but seeing that it yeah. has an impact. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like there are many moments in this film where I'm like, I get that kind of like, mm. I've had times where my ears have gone like terrible. Uh, and if there is like, I'm I, like, I'm not deaf, but like if there's competing sounds, mm. it can get very easy yeah. uh, and quick and easy for it to. Mm. Cause it, it just, is, is it one ear in particular with you? Mostly just, yeah. The left ear is like mm. significantly worse than the other, which right. is, uh, means that, I have difficulty telling direction of sound, which mm. is fun. Um, yeah. You know, one time my parents were watching uh, a film uh, and there was a baby crying off screen, so, but I hadn't seen the baby. So I was just walking past and I was like, there's a baby upstairs. <laughs> right. <laughs> no one we know owns a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, like yeah, there's yeah. moments of confusion. So like yeah. I like I've definitely had moments like you know the brother in the bar or like the dad oh, in the concert where yeah where I've just Classic fully David. punched like a abled person piece an of shit. For David's um, yeah, um, where like there is that just like this just terrible disconnect yeah. with like the social element that's going on mm. and what you can experience, and it's it's very discouraging to be in that kind of environment. Yeah. And I, I thought that the film did a really good job of showcasing that, um, particularly when they cut the sound for mm. Frank being in the concert. Like, it was very subjective. Yeah. Then they, they, they force you to, mm. to, to be in his position in that moment. Yeah. And it's like, it's the moment that the film, it felt like the film had been building up to because we're seeing them rehearse this duet over and over and over again, uh, but we've never heard the whole thing. And just as it's about to start, the sound cuts out. Yeah, <laughs> which is a great way to save on royalty fees. Oh, I mean, so um, good. But that, also, yes. yeah. <laughs> but, but but yes, but yeah. Additionally, yeah, seeing it from Frank's perspective, and I think it allows us, uh, particularly as people uh, who have hearing, um, be that be that some or, or full, uh, to to be put into a position where we then go oh, this is what it's like. Because in that moment of just pure silence, I was I, I, I was just not conscious of, of how much I'm hearing all the time. And I'm, you know, I, I run a podcast. I'm a very audio-focused person. But also all of the 
jobs that I do are extremely audio focused. I do a lot of verbal communication work, both at university and in the comedy and performance work that I do. And just that idea of pure silence when that was happening, I was a little bit terrified mm. in that moment of going, oh yeah, no, your perspective would be entirely different. And like what you can and can't do would be entirely different. And it was only there for about 30 seconds, but it was very effective. I think, um, like, I going into it, I did expect that, that we would have moments like that, just mm. as sort of like an illustrative thing for the audience, mm. just to, like, cut to another character's perspective, but it's all, like, deaf, uh, like, completely quiet. Mm. Uh, and the fact that they, like, held off on that until that moment made it more effective yeah um and it's like oh yeah because i mean up until that point we're really following her more than him her life is so loud as well like yeah. they didn't hold back on that aspect yeah like her home life at the very beginning it's one of the like the beginning things but through the movie her house is consistently loud mm. um her parents are really loud eaters yep. <laughs> and like uh, opening and sipping drinks like that was l- all loud everything we <laughs> yeah. Um, which yeah which was one of the best scenes in the film, the 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 parents starting to have sex while they're rehearsing, and then and then the the sex talk, oh, oh, it was wonderful and like oh actually yeah, sorry yeah. but you, we're accusing Mr V of being the most stereotypical character yeah not true floppy haired boy number one is mm. the most stereotypical character he literally mm. said life at my house is really bad right now when you've got this perfect life yeah <laughs> yeah you know, true but then I think he he does something that I wasn't expecting. Which a lot of those floppy-haired boys don't do. Sincerely apologized. He sincerely apologized and then didn't do something creepy. Listened when he was like, "I'm going to text you for a few minutes," and she went, "Don't do that it's creepy." And he went, <laughs> "Okay, like... I'm not going to do it." I was like, "Yes." He sent good. one text that yeah. was like, "What can I do?" Anything. Yeah. Yeah, and so like appreciate him. Listening. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah, he 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 did something that was was wrong in telling his friend about the the sex story, but I also fully understand his perspective of going. I thought it was a funny story because. It He's was an insensitive seventeen-year-old boy. Yeah, he didn't think of the wider implications of this will result in her being bullied by everyone at the school, and I, I, I believe that he was sorry. I also believe that he didn't know what he was doing, um, and I also believe that he's a floppy-eared idiot. Desperately want to know more about his father's vendetta with a guitar. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> insane. Thing it's not to a say. real string instrument. <laughs> I don't know. I'm with the father now. <laughs> oh okay there we go um but yeah it's and that's just it i think the film does a really good job of not giving you everything because the story doesn't need we don't need to know why miles's relationship with his parents is bad we know that they just don't love each other according to him and he might be an unreliable narrator it's not important to the mm. story we just know that he views ruby and her home life as being very homely and that it's a good thing and it's interesting for her to get that other perspective of like, what? Have you not been watching this film? It's chaos. <laughs> it's yeah. It, it, the film just does a really interesting thing with those different perspectives. Um, I don't really care much for all the fisherman politics. Uh, it was it was nice that it was there, I guess. But I, I was much more invested in Ruby's. I'm gonna story. save the fishing town. Yeah, I was like, yeah, great. <laughs> what okay. is this? Yeah, um, it's there. But, but it, it's important to layer in. Have a bit of class struggle. It, yeah. Well, it it it. it, it it forces pressure yeah. on Ruby. Yeah, you need the context for when Ruby doesn't go on the trip and they've got the, the boat inspector or oh, whatever her job is. Oh, pretty gutting, hey? Yeah. Not, enjoy not, that coming together. Not, not as gutting for the fish, I presume, but yes. Uh, David? Um, I think that's a pretty good um, sort of conflict element to bring into, like, 
the idea and how they approached the representation of disability. Mm. Um, uh, so for those who are not familiar with concepts of disability, there is the medical model and the social model. Mm. Uh, and like a medical model is they physically cannot do this thing. Mm. Therefore they are disabled. Mm. Um, but the social model being that like, you know, you are, if, if there is something like, say you like, you know, if you chopped off your leg or had your leg amputated, mm. you're physically disabled. If you are in a sort of society where like you have ready, ready, ready access to like prosthetic limbs and like, um, you know, stairs, uh, like stairs do, stairs do not like impede yeah. your ability to get places. You know, there are other options mm. if, if walking upstairs is difficult, like elevators or ramps, etc. cetera, uh, then you are not actually like excluded Hmm. Um, in the in the same way, because like that social thing has been created to accommodate you. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really good to sort of like it, like kind of use the characters in a way that like you are kind of being confronted with the social model of disability, mm. because like they are physically incapable of hearing. It's just like the 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 central conflict of the two desires of of. Uh, you know the daughter and the rest of the family is that she wants to go do this thing but that requires taking away their accessibility mm. um you know and, and, and then and and then the, yeah. the you know the conflict with the 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 economics of their town mm. and like the pressures on like fish quotas and whatnot mm. like they bring it up repeatedly we can't afford an interpreter like we, we are within this family unit we've created all the accessibility needs like and requirements mm. that we need right the moment that she has to like consider the possibility of leaving is that sort of we bring in that social disability model of there is an economic pressure mm. that is robbing these people of their yeah. accessibility yeah. <laughs> because I mean, if they just had Leo's someone frustration as well yeah like, leo is frustrated because he feels like they've fallen into a dependency on her that is unfair that he can see for his little sister yeah but also his line about like we were fine before you were born mm. you know we found ways of doing things we worked around it whether or not that meant they were more isolated um had less accessibility to like the things that she can give them as a translator mm. or if they had possibly built their business differently found someone else etc like it's it's I thought his perspective on it was um, very interesting and a bit different to yeah. like temper it with like, oh, there's so much responsibility on this girl. Mm. And he's like, we could figure it out. Yeah. And also saying, you know what? If people want to talk to us, they should learn how to sign. Yeah. They need to figure out how to talk to us. They yeah. need to bring a notebook. We, they need to bring accessibility aids. Like, yeah. Which is know. on it's the one hand, it's town. like, you know what? Yeah. That's, that's actually correct. But then at the same time, it's also like, like I can understand why, particularly from the parents' point of view, having ruby as a child who can hear and translate for them like it does offer them the best of all worlds but um I, I think again this film just does a really good job of them coming to terms with the fact that you know what we we actually can't rely on this forever because she's not a baby anymore mm. um and, and and the fact that frank said she was never a baby i thought was really sad but mm. really really like such a good line at the same time really effective um yeah sorry go ahead no it's just uh, my final thoughts on that would be that like you know that kind of approach to their life and needs is very much like uh viewing them and portraying them with like dignity and independence mm. 
to the extent that they can, uh, but not shying away from like mm-hmm. the actual limitations that they have as disabled mm-hmm. people, which I think is just a really good portrayal mm-hmm. to be like, they're not like helpless. There is still a requirement that they need. And that mm-hmm. is just built into, you know, the socioeconomic level yeah. that they live in. <laughs> and indeed. I also think the thing that this film achieved really well, which I think is maybe partly why it ended up being a Best Picture winner, is the family unit. We've talked about its believability, but it's also just fun to watch. Yeah. Like when they yeah. have their family Tinder review. <laughs> like, <laughs> where it's... it's it, it, a family. Yeah, where it's like... You know what? Actually, thinking about extended members of my family, I could see them sitting around a table going, uh, oh, "Oh no, swipe, swipe, wife. She's no good." Like, but it was so fun to see on screen that that sort of that like, dynamic. No, no headphones at the table, um, but but Tinder's a family activity, yeah. so that's fine. Yeah, indeed. Well, you know what? More families should take uh, an interest in their their young children's Tinder because. They may end up being around for a long time. So actually... Better early. Yeah. Family Tinder night, everybody. Here we go. I was Um, about to say, get the fish boys out of there, but actually in that family would be the reverse. Yeah. There's a man holding a fish. They're like, very interesting. Ah, yes. Yeah, that's Jim. He works (laughs) the thing. Um, Robert, this film did win Best Picture. It did. Uh, It also won uh, two additional Oscars, one for Best Adapted Screenplay. Yep. And one for um, uh, Troy Kotsal for his his performance. Uh, Yeah, Best Supporting Actor is Frank. Um, it's, It's an interesting Best Picture winner. It is. Now, you, you saw most, if not all, of the films it went up against last year. I did, yes. Um, and we have the, the shortlist uh, available here because uh, it lives on the internet, as lots it's, of things do. Again, like, I, it's a film that I, I'm so glad I watched before awards season started and before there was any hype for it, just mm. seeing it, like, uh, blind, not even knowing the synopsis, mm. just seeing it at a film festival and and watching it and just really enjoying it on its own terms, because um, I f- I do feel like as I said before there is some kind of baggage now that that comes with it uh, or expectation, and um, uh, whether or not a film can live up to that expectation is is questionable sometimes. Um, I mm. think this film is does a really good job like of it's so it's so heartwarming mm. that even if you do find it um very formulaic and simple mm. i think there's enough there that anyone that goes to watch it um with expectations will at least not hate the experience they're, yeah. they're gonna enjoy it, it it's not a green book it's it's not a green book there's yeah. not yeah and again, that was one that I, I saw way before the hype. And I thought, oh, it's fine. It's like the kind of film that you'd take, you know, yeah. your grandma to go and see. And mm. it, it, it's fine. But you, yeah, you weren't expecting it to be a best picture. <laughs> but I was not expecting it. And so when, when, this one got, when this one got nominated, I was excited because this was like, this was a real underdog. Mm. This, this felt like such yeah. an underdog. Well, when you look at the films it was up against, it was up against Belfast, uh, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story, the remake. Um, mm. Like, some, some pretty big hitters there, and, like, films that were critically very highly reviewed. I, I remember particularly Power of the Dog and West Side Story being two films that people were raving about at the time. Yeah. And, and again, with, with the Oscars, I think it's that thing when you've got two really big 
movies. I think the same thing happened with um, uh, Guillermo del Toro's one, oh, uh, Shape, Shape of, of Water. Water. Yeah. Like, uh, when you've got two really big movies, two heavy hitters that split votes, people's second or third option, the, the crowd-pleasing one that they all liked, that mm. everyone voted for second because it's a preferential vote, mm. that's the one that ends up winning. Yeah. And I uh, think the pandemic factor, the 2020, 2021 of it all, and is definitely this. part of it. I mean, like, yeah. who wasn't aching for, like, a family-connected, heartwarming... Mm like community-based film at yeah. a time when people were feeling like yeah sure i've never seen mm. belfast but i think you know i know i mean that was another the director and the concept and things yeah i yeah. don't know if exactly it would be as like a slight war- like you know well, not, not as heartwarming but another yeah. film about yeah. family yeah. Um, it's true, family, yeah. But yeah maybe but that sort of like yeah joyful regular sort of family kind of vibe yeah i know it's very appealing for a lot of people then yeah uh we will be getting into our tips for this year's best picture winner but first mm. would you like some trivia about coda lay it on me Please. okay all of this trivia comes from imdb so if it's not true don't blame me uh, amelia jones who uh, played ruby spent nine months learning american sign language having singing lessons and learning how to operate a fishing trawler in order to get this part. So, and she's British, right? Yeah. That's a lot of work. Mm, yeah. One but, role. But, I mean, it... Worth I, it I, for I a believe, best picture, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe they're doing all of those those bits. But, like, like those, those are really emotive family argument scenes where she's acting opposite actors who are all deaf. All, all, all of those actors are, are, um, are, are deaf. And so she is... She has to be able to keep up with them in terms of that sign language but not only keep up but look like she has lived in that environment her entire life mm. and whilst i am not maybe like a good judge of it because i do not speak sign language as as a as a lay observer i did not doubt that she was communicating what was being communicated either through the words she was saying at the same time or the subtitles mm. um and the yeah. reaction time as well like yeah. she's having to react to something that she may not like the the word by word the communication moments yeah she's able to actually accurately yep yeah, read those yeah in a, a language that she is not yeah massively it was, familiar and it's it pretty incredible it, was, it so. was very special and she can operate a fishing trawler she's just back up career <laughs> yeah you never know <laughs> done and dusted yeah um because the fishing scenes involved real fishing um not real as in <laughs> but real as in r-e-a-o um, the cast and crew had to abide by the local fishing rules. One day, they actually had to bring an observer with them. Uh, oh not, not, yeah, because that was the rule. Um, and they had to move one of the crew members from the boat set since they could only have a maximum of 10 people on the boat. So they had an actual observer go out with them when they were on the boat observing what they were doing. They don't... Filming a movie. Yeah, we're filming a movie. a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, filming a movie. Great, I gotta be here. I gotta watch your fish. <laughs> Or whatever you're doing. So it's the most so, exciting day they've ever had. Yeah. Oh yeah, they just messed around. <laughs> Filmed a lot of scenes of some girl crying. I don't know. She was singing. She was yeah. singing. Everyone else was really yeah. singing a lot. I'm revoking their license. That's that's not appropriate. On it's how you get pirates if people start singing on ships. <laughs> um, the onset interpreters were all coders themselves. They were all children of deaf adults. Oh wow. Yeah, that's good. They'll double as advisors. Mm. For- 
for character stuff for anyone that needs yeah oh. yeah that'd be like more frustrated yeah you guys need to make those sex noises louder my parents oh my god like a gate <laughs> swinging off its hinges like or whatever that just hit me as suddenly yeah i guess that would be a like a very common career path for mm. many of those people mm. you've already been doing it um tony kotzel was the first deaf male actor to win an oscar his wife in the movie uh marley matlin uh, as jackie uh was the first female uh deaf actress to win an oscar back in uh, 1987 uh for the film children of a lesser god wow so yeah only two deaf actors have won it and they were they were married in this film or played married people in this film power couple yeah hmm. Uh, this movie is based on a French movie, The Bellier Family, from 2014. Uh, however, when that, movie was, when that movie was released, it was controversial in the deaf community, as two of the main deaf characters were played by hearing actors. Um, the exception being Luca Gelberg, who was deaf in real life. Uh, an example is Rebecca Atkinson's Guardian op-ed, which said, La famille Bellier is yet another cinematic insult to the deaf community, end quote. This was not a problem in this film, as all of the deaf members of the Rossi family are played by actors who are deaf in their real lives. So, mm. good, good that they, they took that on board for, for the, the remake, if we want to call it that. Or, or this adaptation, I suppose. Mm. Because, yeah, I, I, I think it's just important for the, for, for the authenticity of that. Um, you know, it, it, certainly, obviously, it makes sense to to have um, Amelia Jones because she's playing someone who can hear and learning that sign language. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, you should absolutely um, cast people that can't hear. Um, Troy, Ka- uh, I say his name properly this time. Troy Kotsor, who plays uh, Frank in this film, created the sign language used by the Tuscan Raiders in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> And I believe he actually plays oh uh, one of the Tuscan Raiders in one of the episodes as well when there's a lot of sign language being done. That was his previous film credit before this. So the rules. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so he went from Book of Boba Fett to Coda and, and winning an Oscar. <laughs> from... <laughs> to the man, my yeah. guy. Living the dream. He was on stage though, wasn't he? he mm. He's been on stage before. Oh yeah, he was in Spring Awakening. Yeah. Um, which, oh my god! Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marley Matlin um, was instrumental in the casting of Troy Kotsor and Daniel Durant, who played Leo, um, because they she'd worked with those two actors in a Deaf West production of Spring Awakening. Yes, an incredible production. Yeah, which uh, Dr. Wow. Ellen Sears uh, and Dr. Sarah Curtis have seen and oh. uh, and raved about. I know, been more jealous. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll let them know. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yes. Um, yeah, no, just 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 incredible, and like again, just just an incredible performance to watch. Definitely, definitely deserved an Oscar. You'd have to say it's 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 a wonderful performance. Uh, with its three Oscar nominations, this film had the fewest amount of nominations to win uh, the Academy Award for Best Picture since 1932's Grand Hotel, uh, which only had one nomination, that being for Best Picture. Um, it makes it the first time that a film with fewer than four total Oscar nominations has won Best Picture in 89 years. Uh, the only other Best Picture winning films with fewer than four nominations are The Broadway Melody from 1929 and Wings, the first Best the Picture winner one. in 1927. Yeah. Mm. I, I seem to recall last year that the the wins were pretty spread Mm. Around mm. all of the kind of front runners, front running films. Want the sound, right? Yeah, like, but it was like it wasn't. It didn't win 
every single technical it, it, award. But it won quite no, a few yeah, of them. So so obviously this this film won Best Picture. Jane Campion won Best Director for Power yeah. of the Dog. Um, Will Smith uh, as uh, beaten up Chris Rock. Sorry, as uh, King Richard. Oh, oh it, God, was that that year? Yeah, that was that was only. It feels like a million years yeah. ago. We're about to get a bunch of really awkward references to it. Oh, oh my no. God, I'm not looking forward <laughs> yeah, to who's it. Who's presenting this year? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. I just know that it's it's not Will Smith. That's the only <laughs> thing I'm confident of. Uh, but yes, Will Smith did win for Best Actor. Um, uh, Jessica Chastain won for The Eyes of Tammy Faye for Best Actress. Um, be- best supporting actress was Ariana DeBoss from um, West, Side Story. West Side Story. So yeah, it is pretty spread out. Best original screenplay went to Belfast. So Kenneth Branagh's first Oscar there. Um, Encanto won Best Animated Feature. Uh, Drive My Car, Best International Feature. These have all yeah. been different films. So yeah, far. so like the wow. yeah, it yeah. was just like everyone, everyone, everyone gets a car. Yeah, I mean. June got Best Original Score, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Uh, but Best Original Song went to No Time to Die from No Time to Die. Yeah. Um, oh. So that got one. Yeah, June got Best Sound, Best Production Design, Best Cinematography. So June probably got the, the most mm. awards right. by the looks of it. But it wasn't a lot. Best Film Editing as well. And Best Visual Effects. So yeah, June got the most, but it was right. a lot of the technical awards. And not, not the flashy technical awards. It did get <laughs> cinematography though, which... yeah was the correct choice i think because that film was or, beautiful well west side story um, cinematography is okay yeah as much as i hate you kaminsky's glowy cinematography <laughs> i gotta say it did look gorgeous <laughs> the final bit of trivia is that when it became clear to the financiers that uh, director sean Hedder intended to cast real deaf actors for the deaf characters they threatened to withdraw their funding from the film uh, in return, Marley Matlin said that she would pull out because she'd already been cast. Um, if that turned out to be the case, and the finances duly reversed their decision. That's so interesting. Yeah. That they would, and with the knowledge, I assume, I hope some research, given their like business model and what mm. they have to choose to do, with any research into the French production uh-huh. and the reaction to yeah. it. But the, I, the, I think they they'd be going. None of these people are big names, though. <sighs> And, but, but what a... T- it's yeah. an Apple production. Like, yeah. It's- <laughs> well, it's, it wasn't an Apple production. It? It's an independent. So this was bought oh. by Apple from, I think, um, it was Sundance. So like after... After it had been made. So after it had been finished and financed. Um, and it was one of the, one of the biggest buyouts I seem to recall from Sundance mm. at the time. Um, so... Just genuinely because they were like, that we can have that for... For the Oscars or for I think or... that's kind of mm. what they do now. Yeah, uh, there's I different no models, idea. but it's but it is but financing something like this independently without a big name is a huge risk. Mm. It is. Yeah. Um, sure. And and so, even, yeah, even though the uh, Marlene was a was a an Oscar an winner, Oscar winner, it was, she was an Oscar winner 35 years ago. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's good good on her for still having enough clout to mm. say, well, if you don't, I walk, and that's enough for them to go. All right. Oh, well, if she's have been walk, like she's not is like any of them win an Oscar. And, yeah. then, and the publicity yeah. of that as well, of being like, oh, you did, you fired the yeah. first deaf woman to win an Oscar from your from, production from, from about that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. No worries. Um, yeah. Really well. Um, so we we're going to score the film first, and then. We're going to talk about the Oscars. David, did you want to add something? Was that? Oh yeah, I know. I just had one final note. Oh please, um, please add it about um, uh, deaf actors mm. and representation. Um, I really like that 
the the cinematography in this uh, did its due diligence to try and accommodate the visuals of sign language, mm. um, yeah. which not every film or television production does. Like Hawkeye, not, we're looking at you, Hawkeye. It's not just that; it's also the editing. The editing yeah. becomes tricky because you need to see exactly you need to see the full sentence before you cut away, and quite often with dialogue, you don't. Yeah. Well, yeah. well obviously like, with dialogue you don't you're you're yeah, used to cutting away and seeing and seeing moving. a reaction. Yeah. yeah. So That's seeing a, a reaction point. shot, but you have to be on the person whilst they're speaking, which which limits how you can edit a scene mm. to a degree. Yeah. Um but it yeah. So if if it does that then that's Mm. Yeah, so it's um yeah, you know, working with the like the trying to get like the blocking and also like, you know, the the nuance of sign language is you, you it's difficult to sort of like do that in a wide shot um mm. getting the so person in the audience to scoot down yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that yeah. What like, we saw? yeah there's a lot of like work in to have like you know characters that are kind of side side like mm. sort of like like looking like sideways to look at each other as they communicate so, so like we can have a front on it's almost stage like isn't um, it yeah mm. kind of yeah to, like so we can see the, like their uh, facial expressions and reactions and i think like they, they they show almost every bit of sign language. Um, there is a the scene when the mum is like admitting like you know of devastated to find out you weren't deaf, but like I still love you and we've grown together so well. Like there is a bit where we are focusing on uh, the daughter's face a little bit and you see a little bit of like blurry sign language. Like that's sort of like the one bit that really sort of stood out to me that is like. Well, we're not really we can't really show it well within the constraint of like yeah how this exchange works but like and and, and obviously they you, you they, get it they did have the subtitles yeah but i do like the fact that they didn't that they, they tried to capture as much of that sign language whilst also sticking to like dramatic film convention hmm. where yeah. they could and i had i hadn't considered it until yeah. until you said it then and yeah they, they there was never a point where like a hand was going out of shot or something <laughs> you know it was it was it was well shot yeah was, yeah um the yeah. only other bit that I recall is um, when the when the brother gets really annoyed at like dinner mm. um, and it's sort of like through the window and he's standing up so there's like a light mm. and that kind of partially obscures things yeah like a little bit but like not too much like that's also, the only I two I also feel like we knew roughly what he was saying at that yeah. point which was um, I'm real mad but yeah yeah, yeah Hawkeye the uh, Marvel show so I haven't seen it uh, well it, I, I find it really enjoyable but there there are moments where like they're doing sign language and it's like not on screen like they like it's cut too close which means i guess like if you're like for editing sake it does mean that you can like truncate things better because you just put it subtitles yeah you don't have to see that visuals but i'm like what's this (laughs) yeah it's like if, if imagine having a conversation and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna, just, I'm just not gonna record part of the audio. Mm. <laughs> what have you done? Yeah. <laughs> like, so props to this film. This is just really... like adding a lot of ADR, really. Yeah. You're like having a whole conversation, and instead of it actually matching up properly, you just ADR the whole thing right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like missing so... out on that part of the experience. You get the information in the subtitles, but you're not actually getting a like in fully the... cohesive yeah. thing. So. So yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the dedication to working with deaf people and representing deaf people and visually showing uh, deaf communication, top notch. Top notch indeed. All right, let's score this film. Anna, it was your first time watching Coda. What score would you give it out of 10? 
Um, I cried a little bit once and I almost cried twice. So mm. that's like, that's like a nine for me. That's a nine. Like, that's yeah. what I deserve. Nine I salty tears. Nine salty sea dog tears. Nice. Uh, David, you did also watch this film. So we are going to get a score from you uh, as our other hasn't seen it guest. What would you give it out of 10? I would also give it a uh, nine out of 10. Wow. Um, like nine out of 10 thumbs up. Nine out of 10. Because I, it's too complicated to explain to you what nine in, in a single hand sign languages excellent well thank you um uh, robert what about yourself um i i would give it seven seven cloud examinations from multiple angles (laughs) yeah i I wow ableist (laughs) we've we've always said that about him but you know yeah we're just sappy idiots yeah well the thing is is like i appreciate the sap factor Hmm. And I appreciate that this is a well-made film, but I, I don't think it's that sappy. It's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah. It's not like I think it's sincere enough that it's it works. Self-deprecating. I just. A bit, mm, but I'm just. No. I'm just. I'm just a boring person. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. I, cool. I. I really enjoyed it. I would absolutely watch this again in a couple of days, which for me is like, oh, okay, that's oh. that's normally pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's an outstanding film, and I do wonder. How like how many years on will people go code? Well, what was that doing winning? Basically, that must have not been a good year for for film. You know that kind of thing, which I think would be a shame in a sense because I do think this is a really lovely film. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, it will be interesting to see what its legacy is with being the ninety fourth best picture winner um, in in the Academy Awards because because that's it. Like th- that film is now like a forever film because it's yeah. a best picture winner. Yeah. Same with, you know, great ones like Return of the King, same with the not great ones like Green Book. <laughs> so, uh, but for me, I, I enjoyed this. So uh, I'm going to give it eight, um, eight fist condom <laughs> uh, sign languages out of 10. Cause I, I want my sex. I wish my sex ed had been delivered <laughs> like that. Cause that was, <laughs> That was great. The gun and the soldier hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put, put a helmet on your soldier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eight helmeted soldiers out of ten for me. <laughs> now, uh, that is not the end of the program, folks. Uh, it's a little bit of an extra bonus uh, one because it is Oscars week, uh, which means we have a best picture to pick from. Now, I have the list of the nominees. Uh, I will read them out, and then we will. I'll ask you all individually who you think will win. Uh, and we'll, we'll ask Robert first because he's probably had... You've seen all of these films, haven't I you? I have, yes. So the, the ten nominees are Top Gun, Maverick, Women Talking, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Banshees of In Sheeran. In Sheeran. Sheeran, sorry. The Banshees of Ed Sheeran, <laughs> Triangle of Sadness, The Fablemans, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Elvis, and Tar. Uh, Robert Woods. Yes. Who do you think is going to win the best picture this year? (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, I just got to say, that's a banger lineup. That is a, Mm. like, compared to last year, where it's like Mm. some that I liked and some that I was like, eh. Yeah. Like, they're all great films. Okay. They're, they're... Uh, they were all well worth watching, in my opinion. Mm. Um, um, my heart lies with everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm. I can't, I can't deny that. Yeah. I can't, I can't deny my heart. 
Um, I don't know what its chances are. It's done pretty well lately with the SAG Awards and with um, mm. the Directors Guild Awards, but I it, it's a weird film, mm. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how it'll go, but I'm 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 going with my heart instead of my brain intellectual. Okay. I'm going to say everything everywhere all at once. Okay. Um, Anna, have you seen any of these films? Um, I've seen Avatar The Way of Water. That's a good, that's a start. Uh-huh. Is that the only one? It is the only one. So is that your default pick? Or? No, that's too embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was a fine film, yeah. but it was too long. Okay. And I'll stand by that. I'm sorry. Um, I think based on everything anyone's told me and also a number of my friends telling me to watch it repeatedly and that I would really like it. Um, I think the same, I think, uh, everything, everything, everywhere, everywhere, all at once. once. Mm. Um, and I think it has a really incredible cast, a lot of Mm. people acting in that, that I really, really like. And Mm. I'd love to see that win for them. So Mm. that or the Banshees of Inishirin, which I also like as... Someone who partly grew up on a small Celtic island. Oh yeah, trust me, that's 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 an, that's appealing for us uh, as Manxies. It's, it's got some stuff that's <laughs> actually actually stopped part of the trailer because I was like, is that that one cottage everyone uses on that one beach oh, in the Isle of Man? Oh, I had from, to look it up. Yeah, the one that's on the poster of Waking not. Ned. They built Very that. Very similar. Mm. They built it from scratch. They built all the cottages for yeah. Sharon. Ah, mm. well, they could have just gone over to yeah, could have gone to the Isle of Man. Just on the, them a tank just on the west coast. It's like it's yeah. not, it's not a long drive. <laughs> I think maybe they were like, oh no, everyone's used it. We it's, can't. It's a little cliche at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would be split between those two as my desire. Like if I heard that, I'd be like, oh nice Excellent. for both of those. Uh, David, what about yourself? Um, yeah, so as having seen Avatar 2, The Way of Water, and nothing else, um, because... Why are we on a film podcast? Why are we on a film? I mean, I One have of them's on Netflix. Because, you can yeah, really I, watch... You're here because this podcast is about including people that haven't seen films. That's yeah, so true. It's, it's, you are welcome. This is a safe yes, space. Yeah, <laughs> we watched um, all of the zombie musical movies from the Disney franchise. Twice, actually. How many are there? There's three. There's three, three now. It's the trilogy, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Are they called zombie music? It's called zombies. zombies. It's called zombies. I have not heard of this at all. Okay. And... There's zombies, werewolves, and aliens. Okay. Not to spoil anything. Have any of them been nominated for Best Picture? No, year? they oh. wouldn't be nominated for anything but a golden resume. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but David, what would you go for? Um, I mean... Uh, uh, it's more what do you think will win, I guess. Look, I mean, I, I in my heart of heart, I feel like um, everywhere... Everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> you know, all the things. Um, yeah, all the the, the, the panacea of uh, film is that one. Um, you know, I think that one's going to win mm-hmm. um, because I've heard nothing but uh, rare reviews and good things. And I really, uh, if anything on this list, I, that is the one I would like to see. Mm. Um, top, me- top Gun saved cinema, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? I America. watched Top Gun, the first one, oh, very yeah. recently. Well, Are they the same story? I didn't uh, like it. So no, actually, actually, the second film has a story as opposed to the first yeah, the one. First yeah, one that so it improves greatly. Okay. <laughs> I, I have David, further comments. Um, yeah, just to just to hedge my bet. So, like, you know, it's not all chickens in one basket. Um, I do, I do feel like. Um, it would be great if women talking won because that would be, you know, every year that James Cameron comes up with, you know, the most 
financially successful film of all time, a woman beats him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so few women get to win um, Oscars, especially for like directing. So like mm. more. Um, but also then I really feel like the, the Academy just like, just loves it just a little bit too much. If you talk about like the, the magic of cinema and like the history. So like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good Probable coin toss for the Fablemans. <laughs> yeah. I uh, Go ahead. The Academy, generally speaking, hasn't gone Spielberg's way in the last well, many, recently. many, yeah. many occasions. Yeah. Yes, but that means he's overdue. He's uh, an underdog now. I, I don't know. Like, when, like when Marty was overdue, uh, he mm. didn't get it. When, when other... Like there, there's look there's, there's a lot it's, of politics. It's, it's equal mm. e- equal chance with the other ten, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I would love it if Triangle of Sadness won. <laughs> my God, that would be amazing. It's certainly one I remember you talking about the most. Oh my um, God. For, for me, yes. Um, I've seen none of these films. The closest I've come to seeing any of these films is I was on a plane to New Zealand a few months ago, and uh, Dr. Alan Sears, my wife, watched Elvis. And I watched her watching Elvis. <laughs> I, I have a real problem with watching oh films on planes because of the, the audio issue. But then when someone else is watching a film, I can kind of watch the whole thing. So, so I started watching Elvis sort of secondhand, basically, because I knew that um, friend of the program, Kate Mulvaney, is, is in the film. And so I was like, oh, I want to see Kate's bit. And then I kind of got roped in. Subtitles or no? No I subtitles, asked. no. Oh, wow. Okay. So just the images. Just for this. This biopic of the musician Elvis. <laughs> so the you, musical man Elvis. Yeah, you watched uh, Elvis yeah. from the perspective of the characters from Coda. Yeah, I could have watched Coda, and it would have been very, very odd. Actually, now I think about it. Um, but yes, no, I watched Elvis with no sound. Um, How was it? I, I, I was pretty hooked. I was enjoying it. I was like, I can't wait to watch this with the songs. And, <laughs> and I know I could have done that. Oh but my God, it would have been so much cheaper if they didn't use any of the music. Yeah. And the man wouldn't have had to pretend to sound like Elvis at all. Yeah. yeah. So, so look, in all, in all seriousness, I think Elvis does have a chance. But I think in terms of... Or something, something in me, something in me is is in my haven't seen any of them. Ill-informed opinion is telling me that All Quiet on the Western Front is going to win. I, I that that's my that would be my my guess. Mm. Um, I feel like a big win for Netflix. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the the way that film has been spoken about, like it's it is pretty dark. It is pretty grim. I d- I'm not saying that the world is ready to go back to enjoying gritty dark films, <laughs> but it wouldn't There's surprise. A couple of them on there. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if All Quiet on the Western Front was the one that won because um, it it sounds spectacular, and I also think it's been released or like it's come into the sort of public consciousness at the right time. The thing against everything, everywhere, all at once is how long ago it was released. It's amazing that it's. Uh had such staying power mm. considering it premiered in March at Fantastic Fest. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So our, our tips overall, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, everything, everywhere, all at once, mm-hmm. everything, everywhere, all at once, all the things everywhere, all yeah. the time. And 
All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. Wait, I want to change my mind now. Oh. Banshees of Inisherin. Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Because um, then one of the coxes will win either way. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. And everyone just as long as one cox wins, that's yeah. all that we matters. We all win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, and one cox always comes on top. Um, can we all agree collectively that we don't want Avatar or <laughs> Top Gun to win? No. Like, I can't okay. agree with that at all. No, I will yeah. fight you then. Um, but well, the podcast is taking too long, so yeah. we'll take it outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you guys do that. And uh, we'll all reconvene in 12 months when we'll be watching Tar. Uh, <laughs> I, I made that joke once before, and it was Green Book. <laughs> and it, it won, so... Man, Tar would be an freaking awesome winner too the curse prophecy we'll see what happens uh but that is all for our review of coda and in our big oscars special robert anna and david thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the cinema catch-up club thank you for having us thank you good times and for those of you listening at home be that here our new friends in adelaide or anywhere around the world Thank you for listening in. Uh, We have a Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get bonus goodies and features. Uh, In this film, there was a short conversation about whether or not fish have dicks, uh, which is a line of dialogue from this film, which brought me flashbacks to one of our bonus episodes where we discussed... Do fish have dicks? Uh, in fact, that episode of the Cutting Room Floor podcast, which is all of the bonus stuff that gets cut out of episodes, was titled Do Fish Have Dicks? So if you want to hear that episode, join our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can listen to that and other thrilling award-winning content. Um, we also have uh, a Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. You can get news and updates. And finally, subscribe. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you are and however you listen, uh, you can listen in and then stay subscribed so that in 12 months you can hear how right or wrong we were and how we feel about our predictions <laughs> for this year's Academy Awards. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.